Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, friendship, understanding, and nurturing. It's Camp Fun, a project aimed at helping kids who have been touched by addiction both directly and indirectly. We'll learn more about the program. Also coming up this morning, telehealth isn't a new thing that just happened because of the pandemic, although it has become much more common over the course of the past 18 months. But what about all the critical information like a patient's vital signs that a doctor can't collect in a virtual appointment? And fall was already becoming the most popular time for weddings, even more so as the pandemic forced couples to rethink and reschedule their big day, which in turn has inspired many brides and grooms to give a fresh take on the old traditions. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Tuesday, November 2nd, 2021. Today is election day. Don't forget to get out and vote. I know this is kind of an off-year election. There's not a whole lot going on. We've got some, what, some uh, township races, uh, at least one township race. Uh, of course, the municipal judge uh, uh, race. Uh, so there's that. Uh, really, other than that, there's not a whole lot on the ballot, but uh, at least not for us. Now, in some areas, there are mayoral races there's uh, the virginia governor's race everybody's watching that as maybe a bellwether of what may happen in the midterms and people in minneapolis will be voting today on a ballot measure asking if the city's charter should be amended to replace the police department with a department of public safety instead now much has been made about this especially among conservatives they're going to vote to abolish the police department well not exactly Uh, The Department of Public Safety would take what is being called a comprehensive public health approach to public safety. And while it would include a police department, it would place that department under the auspices of the Department of Public Safety. It would be uh, a division of the Department of Public Safety instead of its its own standalone uh, entity. Um, The... City Councilman of Minneapolis, Jeremiah Ellison, tells ABC News that uh, the police department would become a division of law enforcement within the Department of Public Safety, explaining that it's all about whether we are locked into our current system or do we have the ability to transform public safety into the future. So it's not exactly a vote to abolish the police department, just to reorganize But nonetheless, it has become a political hot potato, and it will be very interesting, especially in the city uh, where George Floyd was killed, uh, to see what happens with that ballot measure. So some of the things that be watching as uh, we go through election day today. Uh, Still recovering from Halloween. How much Halloween candy do your kids have left here now? Just a couple, three days after trick or treat. Uh, If you have more than you can consume, there are a number of options. Besides either gorging yourself or just throwing it out, you can freeze it. Experts say candy can be frozen to enjoy later when a chocolate craving hits. Obviously, you can bring it into the office for your co-workers to enjoy. That's always appreciated. Uh, you can use all kinds of candy in a variety of dessert recipes or even donate it to charity. There are a couple of programs that will accept unopened Halloween candy 
to send to troops overseas. Uh, Treats for troops and Operation Gratitude will do that. So they might get it by next Halloween. (laughs) You know how you know how it's kind of. But no, they'll uh, send it. They'll uh, uh, it'll be in time for the holiday season and. So that's big candy time, too, and the troops always uh, appreciate that. So you might consider if you have Duncan is ready to move past the spooky season and uh, roll right into the holidays. Uh, The uh, company formerly known as Duncan Donuts has revealed a full lineup of new and returning seasonal beverages. As of yesterday, uh, it says including the popular peppermint mocha signature latte. Back on the menu, some of the other new drinks include the toasted white chocolate signature latte and white mocha hot chocolate. The menu, along with the new holiday cups, will launch tomorrow, and there will be a special in-store program to support the Duncan Joy in Childhood Foundations. Big goop. Uh, that was the first, uh, the first story that I saw of... Uh, a chain moving past pumpkin spice everything and straight into the holiday season. So we go from pumpkin spice to peppermint. Duncan appears to be first out of the gate with that. The Butterball Turkey Talk line is now open. Experts are back for a 40th year. Now 40 years, the Butterball Turkey Talk line. You would think by now we'd know how to make a turkey, but... Apparently, we're in our second, third generation of kitchen novices. (laughs) Um, The iconic hotline started out just by phone is the Turkey Talk Line, so named because you'd pick up the phone and talk to an expert to help get your Thanksgiving dinner on the table. It has in recent years expanded to include a text line and online chat social media, and even Amazon Alexa. Now, get ready for TikTok. New this year, recipes to dance to on (laughs) on TikTok. The goal is to reach first-time hosts who want to try out the latest food trends. By the way, if you are a traditionalist, the 1-800-BUTTERBALL line is also open and will be open until Christmas Eve. So Butterball Turkey Talk Line is out there. And by the way, speaking of the upcoming holiday season, the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade is back in full force, returning to normal this year. It is the 95th annual edition after a much reduced version last year because of the pandemic. Uh, You remember everything was... If you watched it on TV, it um, it looked a little bit different, but for the most part, they did a pretty good job of creating the illusion that it was a regular parade. In reality, everything was condensed to a one-block stretch in front of Macy's in Manhattan. Many of the performances were pre-taped. Balloons were tethered by vehicles instead of being handled by people walking along the parade route, and there were not any in-person spectators Um, but again if you watched it on tv it looked pretty much normal this year it will be pretty much normal Uh, the performers are back the floats are back the balloons are back and new balloons 
for this year's Thanksgiving Day Parade include Baby Yoda, a couple of new Pokemon characters, and performers include Carrie Underwood, Jimmy Allen, Kelly Rowland, Rob Thomas, Kristen Chenoweth, Mickey Guyton, Chris Lane, and of course, Santa is back. And Santa Claus. You watch the uh, Macy's uh, Parade? It's a tradition in in our house. You wake up on uh, Thanksgiving morning, got to turn on the parade. And uh, by the way, this is maybe the most important story of the day. The Oxford English Dictionary is out with their word of the year. What? What word, let me have a guess here, what word, single word, do you believe would best encapsulate the year 2021? If you had just one word to describe this year, keep it clean, (laughs) what would be that word? According to Oxford Languages, producer of the Oxford English Dictionary, the word of the year, vax, V-A-X. Can't argue with that. They say it's a rel- relatively rare word until this year. By September, it was over 72 times more frequent than at the same time last year. More frequently used. 72 times more frequently used than last year. The word vaccine first appeared in the English language or in the English dictionary in 1799 following Edward Jenner's work on a smallpox vaccine. However, Fiona McPherson, senior editor at Oxford Languages, said that according to their corpus, vax, the shortened version of vaccine, was rarely used until this year. When you add to that, it's versatility in forming other words, uh, Vaxathon, vaccinista, vaxi, anti-vax. It became clear, she said, that vax was the standout in the crowd for the word of the year 2021. By the way, uh, in case you're wondering, the correct way of spelling vax is, well, there are two acceptable spellings with one X and two. So it's V-A-X or V-A-X-X can be either, but the form with one X is the more common, according to the Oxford English Dictionary. But either are acceptable. So now you know the word of the year for 2021. And it's not surprising at all. Some of the most interesting, important, and buzzworthy stories to get your Tuesday morning started. WFIN News, I'm Matt Demchek. The WTOL 11 first alert forecast, partly to mostly sunny today with a high of 47. Partly cloudy tonight, a low of 31. ProMedica of Astoria Community Hospital on Monday offered x-rays of candy that was distributed during trick-or-treat in Fostoria. This after police were alerted to tampered candy being distributed during the citywide trick-or-treating on Saturday. Police Chief Keith Loreno says he's appalled that anyone would be so demented as to want to hurt children in the community. He says the candy that was involved had a sewing needle placed in it, and it's unknown on what specific street it was distributed. Get more on our website. 
Testing for chronic wasting disease in Ohio's white-tailed deer population is continuing this hunting season. CWD is a fatal neurological disease that affects white-tailed deer and other similar species. Two CWD-positive deer were confirmed during the previous hunting season in Wyandotte County. A disease surveillance area had been established in response to the confirmed cases, and intensive monitoring will continue for at least three years in Wyandotte County, as well as in portions of Hardin and Marion Counties. Get more on our website. The annual art auction put on by Awakening Minds Art is being held virtually again this year. We recognize that the past two years, the art auction hasn't been um, exactly what it used to be because of the current times, but we are confident that our supporters will still participate in our online auction and it'll just continue to be such an amazing event. Director Sarah Chris Bricker says you can see the artwork on display at the Findlay Village Mall. The artwork display has an About Me board highlighting each student as well as a QR code that takes the viewer to the auction site for immediate bidding. Get more on the auction on our website. And get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. You're listening to Good Mornings with Chris Oaks on 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. And now to our cover story this morning. It stands for Friendship, Understanding, and Nurturing. They call it Camp Fun. It is a project aimed at helping kids who have been touched by addiction both directly and indirectly. And joining us this morning is the uh, Adamus Director, Precious Doobie, and Pastor Greg Fox of Trinity United Methodist Church in Bluffton. And thank you both for uh, dropping in in this morning. We certainly appreciate it. Uh, First of all, uh, talk a little bit about what Camp Fun is. We talk about Camp Fun. Is this a traditional camp in the traditional sense of the word? How does this work? Yeah, basically not, Chris. It's It's geared towards those children who've been affected by addiction, Mm-hmm. And it's strictly about fun uh, and let them know they count. And it's not necessarily like a camp if you think if you're going to like church camp or you're going to yeah. you know, Boy Scout camp or something. It's basically we're going to have it at a church here in Finley. And uh, we're going to spend time with the kids, make them know that they're valuable. We're going to have uh, three different, besides the, every popular food, we have three <laughs> other, other opportunities for them. There'll be an um, obstacle course. There will be an, an art possibility, and there's also okay. a music possibility. So, okay. Yeah. So uh, activities that, again, just kind of using some of those uh, familiar activities to build these kids back up is, is really the idea. Uh, really connection. We're trying to expose the children to each other so they can build relationships. Um, know, as he said, that they count, that they're valued, and that the community cares about them. I, I would imagine one of the uh, major components of this is uh, making sure that kids understand that they are not alone in this, which is a big part of recovery at, at any age level, but particularly for kids, I would imagine. Absolutely. Um, it's you're not alone, and that the person that is impacted by addiction that you love mm-hmm. you can love them all you want you can hate the disease mm-hmm. and love the person let them know that it's not their fault or the person's fault we talk about this uh as a disease and we talked about this uh before you know getting past the stigma if you will of addiction and recognizing that it's a disease that a big part of this uh as well is is kind of uh, driving that point home for the kids as well? It, everything like that will be very indirect. You know, the, okay. the purpose of the camp is not to set the kids down and do big education or lectures or anything. Okay, it, It's really a more indirect approach in terms of, you know, let's get together, support one another. Um, we will be telling them at the beginning, your story is yours. 
you know, we respect that. Mm-hmm. That's not what today's about. Today's about So it's not sitting support. down and sharing in a group That's level correct. or uh, anything, anything like that. Talk a little bit about the uh, concept and, and uh, how you came up with this. Well, actually, we've done some research. We wanted to do something. We didn't know exactly what. Um, it fell on quite a few people's hearts who wanted to do something for the kids. Mm-hmm. So we did some looking into different camps. We actually went and shadowed one down in uh, Dayton, with they, how they proceed with their camp. Okay. And we just felt if we could make the kids for one day be able to come together, and hopefully we're going to let this grow into weekend camps next year. Uh, but right now, our goal is this year to spend one day with the kids and let them know that they're special, they count. And, you know, so many times when you're involved with addiction, they get pushed aside, they get forgot about, and mm-hmm. they're always number two in the, the person's life. So we want to make sure they're number one, and they do, they really do count. And and that really speaks to, as we said, this is for those who have been touched both directly and indirectly uh, by this. So you may be talking to kids who have experienced addiction themselves in Very this. Very possible. Very possible. And also those who have a family member or loved one uh, who are going through all of this. They could have a family or a loved one who's currently in it, someone mm-hmm. who's a parent or a loved one who's in recovery, or they could have actually lost a parent or a loved one to an overdose. Those are the victims that we don't talk about because uh, you know we've talked about the addiction crisis uh, in in this community, just like places all over the country, and yet it is those uh, the the kids that are uh, touched, and really all of the loved ones, but especially the young people mm-hmm. that maybe get forgotten otherwise. Absolutely, and about two years ago. The Opiate and Addictions Task Force really set out a goal to open up services and supports to families and children so that, you know, because we know it doesn't occur in isolation. And if we don't reach those extended family members, Mm -hmm. the cycle continues. And it also, just by nature of of kids, uh, they don't like to be different. They don't like to be uh, singled out. So they will bottle this up a lot of times with their peers and, and so on. And yet they, that just contributes to the isolation. Absolutely. And, and again, the definition of addiction is isolation, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and lack of connection. Right. So the more we can build that, the, the, the better off we'll be. And I think, you know, we're counting on those, those school counselors and school members and church members and neighbors to kind of have a sense that something's not quite right. To encourage these youth to participate so and that, attend. Yeah, so that was going to be the uh, the next question. This is uh, for kids of what age ranges? We're going from 9, nine to 12 will be one group, and then 13 through 17 will be the next group. Okay, and uh, is this something that um, parents can sign their kids up for? Are you looking to uh, you know coordinate with the schools to get referrals? I mean, how... How will that all work? A parent, guardian, foster parent, mm-hmm. you know, whoever really can legally sign them in okay. um, can do the register registration, which is online. Um, and if they struggle with that, they can just call us and we can do it. Kind of walk you through it uh, the, the old fashioned way. And this will be held when? The first uh, camp fund? November the 20th. Okay. Um, it'll start at 10 in the morning and it'll go till 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And we ask the campers to show up about 930 because... We are doing uh, COVID tests to make sure no one is positive while we're there. Safety um, first. Yep. Volunteers and all, everybody the same, and it'll all be, we will all have masks on while we're there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just an exciting, um, exciting opportunity to share with the youth. 
and let them strictly build relationships between each other. Yeah. So they don't feel like I'm the only one that's got right. a loved one like that. Yeah. Oh, you're that way as well. well mm-hmm. Cool. We can be friends. You know that type of thing. And uh, again, hopefully, this uh, becomes more than just a one-off thing. Obviously, uh, is the goal. It's interesting. You mentioned that uh, you have looked at programs similar to this in in other communities. So this is not necessarily uh, something that is uh, unique. You've seen it's things up like and this coming. Um, there there are about fifteen of these kind of camps across the country, hmm. um, and they're trying to get them. Every everywhere but it's really in its fledgling you know really early on yeah um so but it is something that is being used to build those relationships and get those kids connected and so we're hoping that it's a this is the first of many yeah then this also gives you the opportunity to sort of uh, evolve and develop this in whatever direction you sense it needs to needs That's to go thing we're very very adamant about we want to make sure that we're willing to change as soon as something happens yeah. even the day of the camp there's something that we see that mm-hmm. you know it's going a certain direction boom we can yeah. monopolize on that and 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 go further with it so uh, again for those who want uh, more information or to uh, register there is a an advanced registration process right absolutely um if they have questions they can call the board um and if they want to uh register <clears throat> they can get to the registration information from our website so uh, we have that linked up at our webpage as well. It is just one more community resource. Uh, again, something that we've talked about before, the wide variety of community resources trying to get out there uh, to help those who are touched by addiction. Uh, and it's more than just the addict, him or herself. Uh, that is, I think, maybe the most important point here is to make sure that we understand that this impacts family members, including the youngest family members as well. Absolutely. Nobody's in isolation. And I think the one last thing I would like to say is that we've had tremendous community support. Nobody has said no to us. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, yeah. Agency after agency has stepped up in church, between churches and organizations, everyone. We, again, we've got a link up for more information on Camp Fun, which is coming up uh, later this month. You said November 20th, yes, right? Sir. November 20th. Uh, you can go to uh, goodmornings.net to learn more. Adamus Director Precious Duby and Pastor Greg Fox, Trinity United Methodist Church in Bluffton with us uh, this morning. Thanks very much for dropping by. We appreciate it. Thanks Thank for you. having us. To your health this morning, telehealth is not a new thing that just happened in the past year and a half, but across the U.S., patients are consulting with their doctors via telehealth appointments 38 times more than they were before the pandemic began. So as virtual care visits become more common, doctors still working on how to best serve patients when they aren't hands-on and able to do things like check a patient's vital signs in the office. Well, enter Blue Jeans by Verizon as an example. The video conferencing platform is working on a telehealth solution in the form of app integration, something else we've heard a lot more about in the past year or so. Krish Ramakrishnan is the co-founder, executive chairman, and chief innovator and strategist of Blue Jeans by Verizon. And basically what we're talking about here is a new use for your platform that links up to data collected by a person's wearable device, such as a smartwatch, so the doctor can use that in evaluating a patient's health, right? How does this work? Hey, good morning, Chris. Thanks for having me. Uh, a great question. One of the things that happened during the pandemic, as you rightly noted, was the greater use of uh, televisit, even people with uh, we were previously hesitant. 
But um, one of the things that was missing or the missing element was how do you get the vitals uh, that you normally, when you go into a clinic, get measured by a, a nurse right. practitioner or a nurse's assistant who are looking at that? How do you get that data back? That's actually where uh, wearables come into play. Our integration, for instance, with the Apple Health app, if you're wearing, uh, if you're an iPhone, you get the ability to transmit all of that patient information that your variable has been collecting, such as your uh, heart rate, ECG, how much sleep you're getting, um, and all the step counts and mobility data, all these things that, uh, that your patient, your doctor would like to know will be transmitted, ease of use, and that makes it a more holistic conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, that so, actually makes them lessens the need for you to go to the clinic. So conceivably, so conceivably, the uh, doctor actually could uh, maybe even get more information that they would uh, ordinarily gather in a typical uh, doctor's visit. So how, this raises a whole lot of questions here. Uh, first of all, how is the data uh, collected by my device shared with the doctor? Well, one of the things is the patient has absolute control on what data they want to share, especially um, as we have integrated with the Apple Health app. You are in control. The data is encrypted. Right? So you, so the data owner decides uh, what they want to share. And But uh, the, the data that's shared gives the doctor a more better picture of well, what, what you have to discuss. And this is only going to increase as we do into the future. So that was going to be one of my other questions is, do you have control over what data is shared uh, with a doctor or healthcare provider? As you said, uh, patients do have that control. Here's the next question then, for those who are not particularly tech savvy, is how easy is this to use? I would say for, for Blue Jeans uh, by Verizon, that user experience was paramount in our design. We wanted to make this so easy to use. Um, single click on a link and a browser can pop up and you're into a uh, televisit session. No need to download an app. Uh, no need to worry about any of that. Um, the hospital can even customize the, the patient landing experience, the waiting room. Uh, they can provide you with a virtual intake form that you can fill in your symptoms or they can provide you with a reading material or a video to watch you're waiting for your physician everything to make the experience immersive everything and at the same time as we said easy to transmit the data that you're collected by on your variable uh, um, into a session so anybody can use um if I may continue, there's uh, one other, a couple of other innovations we have done. We okay. have added uh, access to interpreter services. As you know, many people may need interpreter service. So, you know, virtual television, a click of a button, you have access to over live and medical grade interpreters, over 200 languages. You can turn on closed captioning. You can have live transcription. As, as I said, everything to make this as good as an inpatient experience in fact better 
because you don't have to drive through traffic or wait in a waiting room and get sick. Yeah. Um, so as you mentioned, the data is encrypted, so it remains private. You have control over what data is shared with the doctor. I- I'm curious, though, although many telehealth visits are one-on-one patient and doctor, there are such things as group telehealth sessions. How would patient information be kept private in that type of setting? What we have done with the televisit tile inside our app, uh, that data that is collected and displayed during that session is only visible to both the that patient and that physician, even in a group uh, setting. So um, it's controlled who, who, who can see that. And in addition, in addition to that, in a group setting, the physician uh, has even a thing called a, a patient selector switch so they can actually set that and say okay i can now see the correct patient information so they're not going to see jim's information on john's screen uh, that type of so there's lots of um information that is put in there guard that is put in there to make sure that the entire outcome is secure and private and then as you were um, alluding to a little bit earlier, this is uh, perhaps just the beginning. I mean, uh, as the technology continues to advance and get more sophisticated, what kind of innovations might we expect in telemedicine in the future? I ask you to peer into your crystal ball a little bit here. Yes. Um, well, First of all, I want to also mention that, of course, uh, blue jeans is uh, HIPAA ready, so that people can be very comfortable about that. But as we go into the future, what I would say with the advent of more rich communication technology and more bandwidth, uh, more and more contextual data gathered by these variables are going to be part of the innovation. So it's going to give a, uh, a bigger picture. Chris, you brought out uh, the doctor has access to more data that uh, even in a, than an inpatient visit. So this is going to be the future. Your variables are going to collect more information about you. You have uh, control over the data, but then you will be able to share that. And that discussion between a doctor and patient uh, with the rich data set is going to make a better outcome uh, during a televisit. Uh, that's the future. And it is going to be the new way of doing house calls, the modern version of house calls. Hmm. That's a good way of uh, looking at it. And, uh, of course, as you mentioned, the uh, ultimate goal is healthier patients and better outcomes. Again, uh, Krish Ramakrishnan, uh, co-founder, executive chairman, and chief innovator and strategist of Blue Jeans by Verizon. Now, where do we learn more uh, about uh, these uh, innovations, especially with respect to telehealth, which is just one part of what you do? Yeah. For people who want to know more they uh, for Blue Jeans by Verizon, they just have to go to bluejeans.com and look for telehealth information. Chris, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Chris, it's my pleasure. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. A postscript on uh, the Halloween celebration, some odd and unusual si- uh, unusual stories uh, coming out of the uh, Halloween. So, for example, in uh, Buda, Texas, Buda, Texas, which um, is about halfway between San Antonio and Austin. 
A woman by the name of Monica Bradford is under arrest for allegedly pointing a loaded gun at a seven-year-old trick-or-treater. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, apparently, uh, she was yelling at the costumed kids who were going to homes in her neighborhood asking for candy, and she wasn't happy about it. <laughs> is she unfamiliar with the tradition? Is she? Is she? Was this a shock to her? I don't know. Um, at one point, the Hayes County Sheriff's Office says she pointed a handgun at a child. <laughs> the 35-year-old has been charged with aggravated assault with a deadly weapon. That's the, most most people. If you're not handing out candy, you just turn off the porch light and uh, leave your house uh, all, all dark, and they leave you alone. But maybe in Buda, Texas, it's a little different. I'm not, I'm not sure. That's extreme. Right there. There's a whole different issue in uh, Riverside, California, where Carmen and Travis Long drew attention to their home uh, on Halloween with their decorative orange lights and smoke machine. Uh, It prompted a number of passersby to call 911 to report a house fire. Looked pretty, uh, looked pretty realistic, I guess. Fortunately, uh, they, uh, the Longs had alerted firefighters uh, that this was what they were planning for uh, Halloween, so they were already aware of the display and could assure callers that it was just the special effects. So <laughs> that's always a good idea. If you're going to go uh, that realistic on your... Uh, decorations probably let law enforcement authorities know in advance so that you don't cause a panic. <laughs> um, speaking of trick or treat, this was uh, kind of interesting. Uh, a couple of bears apparently went trick or treating in Sierra Madre, California. Um, John Holden said he uh, arrived home to find his front door wide open. And one bear on the front lawn, a second bear inside his home, munching on the leftover KFC that had been <laughs> left on the kitchen counter. It barely had some leftovers, and the uh, bears broke in and helped themselves. Told local news reporters the, bear, the bears had been likely drawn in by the smell of the chicken. They continued to linger in the yard after being chased out of the house. Bears like trick-or-treat, I guess. Uh, Let's see. Elsewhere in the broken news this morning. This is a little unusual. An Alabama man charged with biting off the finger of a security guard at a nightclub. Michael Duncan is facing a charge of assault in connection to the incident at the Dothan Dance Club in Dothan, Alabama, Friday night. He allegedly bit the guard after being kicked out of the club. I can't imagine why he bit the fi- the finger off of the security guard. Can't imagine why he was thrown out of the club. <laughs> he seems he seems like such a uh, polite man. Um, he has been housed in the Houston County Jail. <laughs> bit off the finger of the security guard. Wow. Um, and a couple of other um, items in the. Broken news. Here's some advice when you are pulled over by the cops 
Don't brag about how many people follow you on TikTok. That that will not get you out of a speeding ticket. The Daily Mail reports that uh, 18-year-old Damari Mikula was arrested Friday after running a red light at a busy intersection, doing a burnout as he did so to intentionally tick off the police officer who was waiting at the red light. And then he engaged the police in a high-speed chase at speeds of up to 100 miles an hour. This is in Pasco County, Florida. By the way, it would have to be in Florida, wouldn't it? It would have to be. This all happened around 1030 in the morning. Police eventually caught up with Mr. Mikula, who is driving a Dodge Challenger, uh, found him, located him at his home and proceeded to arrest him while being read his Miranda rights. Uh, the uh, 19-year-old or the 18-year-old began bragging about his 4 million TikTok followers and the $450,000 salary he gets from the video sharing site. Police were clearly not impressed and hauled him off to jail where he was booked and charged with reckless driving, racing on a highway and evading police. He was later released on bond. It should be noted that his car was also towed. I don't know what he does on his TikTok channel, but if it involves his car, then you can expect not a whole lot of updates in the near future. <clears throat> hey, don't you know who I am? I've got 4 million TikTok followers. So? And speaking of uh, Florida, this is the dumb lawsuit of the week. A uh, man in Boynton Beach is suing the Motor City Car Wash because he was surprised that the car wash may be slippery when wet. According to the complaint, Arthur Sutloff sustained serious injuries while having his car cleaned back in December of last year. The lawsuit, the lawsuit states that the establishment negligently and carelessly maintained the premises by allowing a dirty, slippery substance to remain on the ground where patent patrons are expected to traverse. That would be water on the ground at a car wash. Shocker! There you go. That is uh, today's broken news report. <laughs> this, this update, we're suing a car wash because it's wet. Only in America. That is your broken news report this morning. This update, the odd and unusual side of the news, brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. This is Ant Lance with OSU Extension. It's harvest season. Drivers will be sharing roads with combines and grain hauling vehicles. Please be alert, especially on roads with limited visibility. Watch out for equipment pulling in and out of fields. Drivers and farmers, let's work together this fall to keep our roads safe and accident-free. This message from WFIN and 95.5 FM. And now your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. So how did your kids do on trick-or-treat? Uh, it reports from on the ground from the tiny ghosts and goblins. Uh, it appears that uh, homes participating in trick or treating this year made up for last year's pandemic Halloween. Um, on average, uh, the uh, pediatricians, the experts say 
that uh, kids get about three and a half pounds of candy on Halloween. That's what they say is the average. And I, I think that's a low estimate. I mean, it always seems like when when my kids it has been years since my kids trick or treated. But I can remember them coming home with a haul that was it seemed much more than just three and a half pounds. Uh, children, they say, on average, consume about 7,000 calories uh, the and the equivalent of three cups of sugar from uh, all of that candy. So you try and get them to pace yourself, but that is a losing battle. Uh, kids say that uh, Candy Hall is not about to stick around long, not counting parents raiding the candy bags, which one-third admit they do. One-third admit they do. A new survey shows 81% of kids tear through all of their sweet stash within the first week after Halloween. In fact, one in four kids will be out of candy by today. (laughs) We'll have it all gone by today. 25%. That's a lot of candy. You might want to pace yourself a little bit more than that. Uh, This new poll of 2,000 parents... Uh, says that uh, the kids tearing through their Halloween stash is not for lack of effort to keep them pacing themselves a little bit. Um, two in five children. This was kind of interesting in talking about the uh, Halloween haul. Two in five kids in this survey admitted to swapping costumes in order to hit that particularly generous house more than once. <laughs> Forty percent of kids hit the same house more than once in a different costume in order to make sure that they got the good stuff. And forty uh, percent of parents, two and five parents, said that they specifically drove out of their way to make sure that their kids got to trick or treat in the really good neighborhoods. <laughs> well, I think that's that's pretty common. But uh, we (laughs) not only do we make up for lost time from last year, but we were very intentional about it, apparently, according to this survey. Well, you know, in recent years, autumn has almost displaced spring as the preferred time for weddings. More couples choosing September, October, November, as opposed to May, June, July. And obviously, with millions of couples having postponed their weddings uh, over the course of the pandemic, with all of the uncertainty surrounding that, joining us this morning to talk about the latest wedding trends uh, this season is Jamila Stewart, a freelance writer who covers emerging trends in fashion and beauty. Uh, You've seen her stuff in uh, Harper's Bazaar and uh, Pop Sugar, Zoe Report, uh, Ebony Magazine, and more. And Tara Zur, Hellsberg Diamond expert, senior buyer for Hellsberg Diamonds. Uh, first of all, let's talk about some of the uh, emerging trends uh, when it comes to uh, weddings. And why not start, since we're talking diamonds, with uh, engagement rings? What's new? Absolutely. Right now, couples are really looking to explore their options. They want to be sure to land on something that really feels unique to them and their lifestyle and their um, relationship. As far as one of the biggest engagement ring trends right now, it's definitely going to be that solitaire diamond. 
which is just your single uh, diamond style. Now that can look like an oval or a circle diamond as well as either an emerald or a, a cushion cut. Particularly that um, round and oval diamond is those are going to be the ones that provide you the most brilliance. And what that means is just the amount of light that the ring is reflecting back to you. It's actually going to be a great way for couples to get more sparkle for their spend right now. So uh, kind of the uh, keeping it simple and, and highlighting that one singular diamond. And, and Tara, is is that how much of that has to do with uh, budgets? Uh, I mean, again, with all of the uncertainty of the pandemic and we know how it's impacted many uh, families and couples and, and so on, uh, are couples being a little bit more cautious about, uh, you know, spending on a wedding ring that they may see as a uh, luxury? Well, you know, many people when shopping for an engagement ring and, and, and the diamond specifically, they're familiar with the four C's, cut, color, clarity, and caraway. Sure. But what Hellberg has um, recently launched is the fifth C, which is choice. And the reason we did that is we have an extensive collection of lab-grown diamond engagement rings. We also have an extensive collection of natural diamond engagement rings. But what that does is it offers you um, a lot of variety and lots to choose from at every price point. So if uh, budgetary concerns are something that you're worried about, now explain what lab-grown diamonds are and what's the difference between that and a, a natural diamond. Lab-grown diamonds are real diamonds in every way. So they have the same chemical and optical properties of a natural diamond. The only difference between a natural and a lab-grown diamond is their origin. So a natural diamond, you know, takes billions of years uh, to create and it's, you know, ethically mined from the earth. And a lab-grown diamond actually comes from a natural diamond seed and is grown in a laboratory in, you know, just a few months. The other thing, too, when we talk about wedding uh, wedding rings, it's not just uh, the women's wedding ring as well, the uh, bride-to-be. The, there are a lot of trends uh, with respect to men's rings uh, as well. Absolutely. So all around, couples are actually opting to mix and match metals um, a lot right now. So we're seeing a shift towards yellow gold um, wedding bands, for instance. And that's actually a tone that's going to be really complimentary on a wide variety of skin tones. So that's what's really great about it. It's also... Um, a little easier to maintenance. Then we're definitely um, also going to see a shift towards platinum wedding bands as well. And that one is really good for its um, its long-lasting durability. Now, particularly as far as the bride's rings go, um, this allows them, this mixing and matching allows uh, brides to stack on more rings and incorporate more color as far as the stone goes as well. So we're seeing a lot of gemstones at the moment, um, such as aquamarine, uh, morganite, hmm. and sapphire. Yeah, interesting stuff. What about uh, wedding dresses? Uh, what are the trends that you are seeing with respect to that? Well, we're definitely seeing a lot more color there as well, um, the same way that we are in rings. So um, we're seeing an uptick in those alternative um, dress styles and dress colors. We might even see um, 
an increase of your your ivories and your tans. And then the way that um, couples are really incorporating more color would be by way of the party's looks or their accessories or the decor of the wedding. Hmm. I, I think it's really interesting that uh, couples these days are, are thinking out of the box. It's not just uh, bride wears white anymore and that's the end of it. Or it's just diamonds, as you were saying, kind of uh, accessorizing that with other uh, gemstones as well. Have you seen that also carry forward through the the overall wedding celebration? Um, you know, size uh, of the ceremony, size of the receptions, the the way uh, people are are celebrating weddings overall. Absolutely. So there's an overall trend of sort of deviating away from um, your typical wedding traditions. So right now, both for cost reasons and for um, safety during this COVID client, um, climate, couples are definitely still sizing down. So that might mean um, minimizing your party's list or minimizing your guest list. Mm-hmm. You're also seeing people live stream their weddings. Um, they're also shifting the venue. So instead of doing so much of the traditional ballroom style uh, weddings, we're seeing more outdoor and destination weddings as well. And some of those uh, have been trends that have been coming on and maybe have been accentuated by the pandemic. So I'm wondering how much of this will carry forward even after all of this is over. I mean, do you see this as sort of a permanent shift in the way couples are are rethinking their big day? Well, you know, I think if anything, we just have to remember that the big thing is that um, consumers and couples are really realizing their choice now and how much freedom they have and the options that they have to create a wedding that's unique to them, um, that they can remember as something that uh, was unique to their own style. I, I think you, that's the uh, key word there, unique, because uh, when I talk with uh, engagement couples and and uh, speak with people who are getting married, the one thing that I hear everybody saying is, I want my wedding to be unique. I don't want my ceremony the reception, the whole ball of wax. I don't want it to be cookie cutter like everybody else. And so they're putting that unique stamp. It's really kind of uh, interesting, these trends that we're seeing, and especially uh, through the fall, which is another thing. People doing fall weddings more uh, more and more often these days. Again, Jamila Stewart, uh, freelance uh, writer in fashion and beauty, and uh, Tara Zur, uh, Hellsberg Diamonds expert with us this morning. Ladies, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. And so that will finish up our podcast for today. Thanks again to all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. And remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage. That is goodmornings.net. So check that out. Bookmark our page and check back every day. Coming up tomorrow on the program, State Treasurer Robert Sprague and Representative John Cross will join us to discuss the launch of Ohio's Family Forward program in conjunction with National Adoption Month. So until tomorrow morning, that is good mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.